Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. I got this excellent email out of the blue last week inviting me, my participation in the great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, which is something you did last year. So we're both going to be represented this year. We're going to be in there. Yeah, the tools. I'm pretty excited. Although I've made, I've been making some moves and I texted you about this. I'm curious what you think. I'm going to manage this team hard algorithmically. Yeah, I think that that's right. And I think that I want to... Um... I want to do the same. I want to make it... Well, I want to do my management programmatically. Exactly. Let the uh, let our let our tools tell us what to do. And a lot of that is actually more... Um, just <laughs> is just like automation tools. Just to like make sure that we're drafting the guys who have the... Uh, whose ownership is changing. Drafting the guy, the bestardos or whatever. Pitching, I end up deciding... Yeah, let the machine do the work. Let's not add any more thought in here. Let's just make the computer churn on it. You want to talk a little MLB move action? I got three three guys for you again. You have four, well, four, three guys on the move, one guy on the remain. <laughs> so, so which, so of these three moves, which one's your favorite? We got, you got Marco Estrada to Oakland, AJ Pollock to the Dodgers, and Drew Pomerantz to San Francisco. Which one do you like the best? I really like the move for Marco Estrada. Really? Yeah. Really? Huh. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're talking about a guy who has who's always been a strikeout pitcher, has uh has been a fly ball pitcher a little bit more than um is good for a for a hitter's park. And so going to Oakland where the by the balls just don't fly out of there and um being on a team that I think is gonna be a nice level of just inside or outside of playoff contention and is uh is ready to um play to the team strength. i like it I, I i actually really like it i think that he's gonna do well there was- i haven't looked you know that's all it's all gut that's all gut that's no <laughs> yeah that's i mean no we, real we can, numbers we can pull up his numbers they're they're pretty interesting or my our predictions for their numbers i think i think your statement about oakland really playing to their strengths even though you, you said it kind of quickly but i think that's actually a really important point for that mm-hmm. team that's a team that's really going to do that there are teams and i'm not going to name the kansas city royals but the kansas city royals and others that that really put their players in bad positions you know set players up to fail but i feel like oakland sets players up to to succeed in a baseball sense, which does help in a fantasy <laughs> sense. No, definitely. Definitely does. Okay. Is 2.7 dying? Python? The deprecation you, warnings are coming. Have you seen? There's a there's a big countdown clock somewhere. It's, it's uh, so 
2020, 2020. will be no longer supported. January first, 2020. Then, then you're then you're on your own. Although I think this week we probably both felt a little on our own with with Python management, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh God, yeah. Um, I feel yeah. That's it is so true. Well, I'm gonna. <laughs> well, this is pretty good. Uh, the Python clocked yes. out of yeah. work. Um, <laughs> Python 2, thank you for your years of faithful service. Python 3, your time is now. <laughs> well, I guess I guess I'll jump I in. I mean, it's, it's functionally fine. I think, you know, there there hasn't been that much. I haven't had too many problems rolling over. Well, look forward to me complaining. <laughs> All right, this week on the pod, a model for starting pitchers. It's not the model, I don't think, but we're going to talk through a model, work through some of the base assumptions here, and then in the second half, we'll ask about a few specific players. Got it. I don't know about you, but I needed to actually get a pitching model to a place where I could assess it end to end. So I I, I ran yeah. out the predictions. It yeah, was I know We were getting was. a little yeah. too theoretical for me, which is ironic. Little two in the weeds. <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. two in the weeds. So I needed to run to actual projections and see if see what we could learn from that. So now there's something that we can that we can really criticize. This is bad time though. I, I should say, you know, we're we're coming up on pitchers and catchers reporting. <laughs> We've been just wandering in the desert for years. This has been our aisle waste. Oh. Um if you're into <laughs> yeah wheel of time not what i was expecting Ooh. that was deep yeah i so i i needed this uh this is this is the first time that we've ever had our own fresh numbers like this it's pretty crazy love it uh and yeah. this is this is far from the end but i needed to know what what steps what steps i actually had to think about for when we actually get a, a real working model going top level view of this this model works on the premise that pitchers are who they were last year based on cluster membership prediction that we've talked about the past few weeks. And then we assess how close they were to the actual cluster center. And for that, I use the last three years of data. So that's the top line. Last three years. Okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, I wanted to use more than that, but 2015 pitching looks so different than 2018 pitching that I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Understood. Yeah, it works better for, I, I kind of agree. I was looking at it and for hitting, I think that it's a little yeah. less um, less stark, those differences, Ned Stark. <laughs> I agree with that. But the, just the, you know, the three true outcomes of of pitchers has just gotten rampant. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it matters more for the pitchers than for the hitters. Then the other thing that I did is is to choose the the weights from the previous years. So the idea for me, and this is where I think we might have the biggest difference, is that I think that pitchers are mostly who they were in 2018. So I chose to weight the, the past three years. 2018 is 55% of the prediction. 2017 is 33%. And 2016 is 12%. It's a pretty steep drop-off. Yeah, but I kind of I kind of tinkered with those numbers, and I I liked that the most. In part because a clear problem that we'll talk about when we get to the second half and specific players is this just criminally underpredicts guys that came on last year. 
Yes, yes. Or guys that came on... It actually, I think the ones that it hits the worst are guys that came on two years ago and then had a slightly down year last year and then are expected to bounce back. The sophomore slump guys, I feel like you're really, really <laughs> um, hammered them. knocking down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I do I do agree with that. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll talk about the specifics. So anyway, just caveats, that's what I chose. Uh, okay, the, then I have two coefficients here that are interesting, and these are really what get to the, the crux of the matter here, which is assessing how far a guy was from a cluster center. So this is to say, like, okay, well, we know within, the, within individual clusters there's variation. Otherwise, we'd end up with every single pitcher in the five cluster with the exact same prediction. So we know there are good guys in the cluster and less good guys in the cluster, for example. And so I, I regressed everybody back to towards the cluster center. This was basically, it's basically, you know, a, a fundamental regression analysis, except now I have a, an angle that I'm regressing towards. So it, it's not okay. saying, yeah, it, no, it's not saying I'm sense. just regressing your strikeouts or something. I'm regressing your strikeouts in tandem with your, with your walks and your hits and your home runs to try and get that, to try and recover that profile. And I took them 80% of the way back towards the cluster center. And I think um, I played around with 50%, which, which gave you more extreme guys. Ultimately, this changing this parameter sets your ex- extrema. So if you turn this down to 50%, then Max Scherzer suddenly has over 300Ks in the prediction because of what he had last year. So I I mean I don't know so this is an open question right this is how bold do you That's want to exactly be? right. So w- if you wanted to go forward with like a real customizable thing I would let people slide this around <laughs> and say yeah this is a huge this is a huge piece yeah. because we don't want to wow 80% so you're ta- so what you're saying is that basically 20% of your um forecast is based on the actual person's stats and then basically the rest of it is the rest of it is the uh, cluster based on the cluster yes yep yeah one of the worst parts of this model is the win prediction and this is this is oh, the yeah. same thing as yep. the save prediction just it's a nightmare to try and predict what goes in here because this this is not helpful with a clustering metric the clustering metric does not inform this in any in any appreciable way this is no i think that it i think the clustering does really well on the strikeouts it does a pretty darn good job on the era and whip and uh, really lets us down on the wins what is this you've got i mean i don't want to get too much into the weeds but you've got uh you've got five guys they're being predicted for 20 wins i mean that's so this uh that's that's 20 that's like looks like 2017 or 2016 right um this yeah. is so the wins model is built to match the overall distribution of expected wins now you're taking it you're immediately taking issue with the overall distribution of expected wins here but that was the that was the overall goal in the normalization and then how i chose to assign guys mm-hmm. to this was looking at just basically arbitrary stats, which was 
the earned runs per total batters faced or per innings pitched. And the idea was that if you, if you, um, and then it's all, it's all probability based. So if you let up zero earned runs per 21 batters faced, then you have like a, I think it's, I put, it's a 95% chance of getting a win or something. And so I just sort of Mm -hmm. circled through all of this and then it, it drops to, if you let up six earned runs, you have a 5% chance of winning or something. So so then that that set the slope. And then I just plugged in, okay, how many earned runs per total batters faced and then made estimates for um, how many games they would start based on their innings pitched. I kind of think that's the best I could do. I mean, I would love your input on, like, how do we build a win model. This is basically what we're going to have to do for the saves model too. So I don't know what we do here. No, I think that the save saves model might be um we might be able to do something that's a little more slapdash i i don't know this wins the hard part is that i think a lot of projection systems won't project folks for over 18 wins and i this just seems like super high on a lot of these even i mean it's high on the um you have Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, Justin Verlander, Corey Kluber, and Jacob Degrom all getting over twenty say over twenty wins. But we know that's just really hard, just because of the way that uh, wins kind of go. Could we get this? Could we do this more of like a? Oh God, I, I don't, I don't want to do levels on levels, but <laughs> I think quality starts is a better analogy Mm -hmm. to um to the other statistics and then we just do we try to figure out a team's um like what percent of quality starts a team is going to convert and then that kind of gives us another avenue to try to say um to add in our predictions on team-based like metrics because right. wins is a no. team-based metrics it's less so because this has pff, this is my biggest problem is jacob de Grom, 20 wins 21 wins not gonna happen you know it's not gonna happen well to be okay the only my my main defense in this is that the error bars are huge in these so the error bars on this nine, yeah, yeah you so, say it's but look, but but that's, I but that's like kind of the the best we can do with wins. I mean, would you argue that he's not going to fall between twelve and thirty? <laughs> I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna get less than twelve wins, and and that's a high one. Some of these guys only have four, so like our prediction for the next guy on the list, Carlos Carrasco, is seventeen plus or minus four. So that's saying like. Yeah, Carlos Carrasco could easily have more wins than Jake DeGrom. It didn't make it into the pod, but we briefly discussed the finer points of hiding your frustration. Here's an outtake. You know, I'm just able to jump back in that. I, that's a skill that I don't think um, I don't think we or other we might have a little bit, but other other millennials and future generations just won't have. I, I assume you've had this same sort of. Um, the same sort of experience too, where you, like you, you're talking to someone on the phone, and it's clear that they were just really angry about something else a minute ago. Yep. No, coming in hot. This is not the conversation I thought I was walking into, but okay. Hello.
I have flagged um, cases that I think are huge. We might be. We, I think this. We need to start talking about. Let's flags. talk about the flag, guys. This is interesting. I, I have. Okay. Well, let's just say I. I looked at the top. I looked at your top fifty pitchers. I just said I want to take a look at these top fifty pitchers and um, look at the projections, look at the rankings, look at this holistically, and who you know strikes me as odd. And um, you know, for the most part, it looks rank and file looks decent, and it looks like okay, ooh, you're just moving these players around. It's kind of you know you kind of see that with different um, projections, anyways. And then I flagged, how many did you say I flagged? 11? Cool. So, yeah, let's start at the bottom here. Um, we And hopefully we will share this, unlike yeah. our normal loss promises. But the first two pitchers in the 40s, so there are two players in the 40s starting pitcher ranks that struck, that, uh, struck me as odd, which is Mike Clevenger at 45 and Charlie Morton at 47. I think that those are too low. And now, remember, we always do, every year we do this. A top 40 pitcher, starting pitcher, actually isn't that good. Edison no, Volquez is like, has been like top 40 the last a bunch of years. He, I think of him as a quintessential number top 40 <laughs> pitcher. It's like, that's not really a guy that you want to have starting on your team if you're in a 12 team or 10 team, maybe in a 15, 16. These are key, right? Team. I mean, you we have to be able to. We have to predict these guys right because these are the guys that are going to be the workhorses mm-hmm. on your team. Oh yeah, absolutely. These are these are where you're going to get the innings. So I I showed Mike Cle- Clevenger and Charlie Morton. I said that these are too low. What do you think? What what's your no, what's th- your response think, to that? Uh, I I think you're right. In I think their innings are too low on these. I think both of these guys. I and think both of these guys are, are just hit by the re- the regression um, too yeah. hard. And so one of the things that that I don't think we need to discuss too much is that I didn't I didn't steal innings pitched like we had strategized to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if we do that and we take innings pitched from somewhere, these all directly scale up except for yeah. wins. But so the the, the strikeouts, yeah. ERA, and WHIP, you can just scale those directly up with innings pitched. So if you if you look at this and you think, okay, well those guys are too low, then that's probably because the innings pitched are off. Yeah, and you've got Clevenger and Morton at one forty one, one thirty seven IP. So I think that they're those are going to go. Up. I yeah. I think that 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 makes. I sense. agree with that. I'll accept that. And so okay, in the thirties. <laughs> I you've got three players right in a row that I took umbrage to, Dolores Umbridge to. Um Mike Fultonevich at thirty two, Gio Gonzalez at thirty three, and Rich Hill at thirty four. I thought those were low, high, high, respectively. And um you know, do do you disagree on any of any of those assessments? Well, I think Rich Hill is a question of valuation like where he slots in because his numbers aren't that good i mean i'm only the regression monster here is thinks that he's only gonna get 125 innings pitched which is like a totally fair prediction for rich hill like that could easily Mm -hmm. happen 147 strikeouts that's like nothing to write home about fine whatever and i think he's doing a little bit better on era and whip but when he's on the mound 
those are real numbers. That's good. <laughs> those yeah. are real numbers. No, that's absolutely so true. I, I, I hear where you're coming from, that he looks high on this. But I think, especially if you were thinking about um, drafting somebody with an upside where when he's on, he's good, that's an appropriate spot. Fulton Evich, I know you, I know you love Fulton Evich. Um, I think he again is a guy that came on last year relatively, and so 153 innings pitched is just not a not a good number for him. If you if you yeah, upscale no, that to 180 or something, then he gets over 200 strikeouts in this prediction, and then he he shoots way up the list. So I would say it's that. Okay. All right. So it sounds like same thing's true for the two guys above that that you argued. Uh, okay, well let's let's finish this off. We have you notably didn't mention Gio Gonzalez because of your. Uh... I love Gio Gonzalez. He remains there. <laughs> <laughs> you can be as mad as you want, but that's where he belongs. Okay, uh, I <laughs> problem is Gio Gonzalez always ends up like borderline top forty, and and you just never know year to year. So I think that this is a little high, um, mostly because. I mean, Joe Gonzalez is a box of chocolates. You never know what well, you're going to get. Well, the wins are screwed up in this model. So he's... Yep, absolutely. He's, 16 wins. He's been, so 12. the problem is he's been so efficient facing batters that the, the way that I regressed wins with earned runs per total batters faced, he looks really good in that model. <laughs> and so that's the... He's deriving a lot of value from wins in this ranking, which is a problem. Yep. Okay, then we got Robbie Ray and Blake Snell. I think both of those are a little low, but those All are innings-based. Yeah. I've got Luis Severino and Jake Arrieta also low. So, those are probably... Well, actually, low for Luis Severino because of innings yeah. pitched. Um, Arrieta, I, I think Arietta. that's opinions-based. So my predictions mm-hmm. across this... Um, 179 innings pitched, 155 strikeouts, 3.72 ERA, 1.22 WHIP. Contrast that with last year, 2018, he records 172 innings pitched, 138 Ks, 3.96 ERA, 1.29 WHIP. I mean, the predictions look exactly like last year. I think this is like a a case where we're really thinking of old Jake Arrieta, and I think this is the real Jake Arrieta. It could be. Uh, you want to put a put one in the bet box? I absolutely will. Do you want to? How about we do it for the the ranking? Where if he's so he's number twenty two in this. Do you think he's going to be say top sixteen? What? I think. Uh, let's. You let's think he's top? Put 16? the over under it. Yeah. Let's, okay. Let's split the difference between those two. All right. So you say so nineteen over under nineteen. Over under nineteen, yeah. And you think he's going to be better? Well, I'll give you nine. I'll give you we'll make it eighteen and a half. That's great. I feel excellent about that. And then the last two. Now I'm going to put. I'm going to put you in a bundle. Kyle Hendricks and Jay Happ. I I get the Jay Happ one, and I kind of like him this year as like a sleeper to end up somewhere around this uh-huh. ranking just because of everything. Kyle Hendricks, though, come on. This is great because in the in our outline here, I literally wrote, "What is wrong with these predictions?" I don't see something wrong with these predictions. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I don't. I think that the Kyle Hendricks one is wins based. I think that his he is um, too he's ranked too high because of his wins. I, I mean, 
I wouldn't take him in the top. I don't think he's a top 20 pitcher. Wow. You don't think he's a top 20 pitcher? Um, where? I'll put it so over under on the eight, 18 sure. and a half. I would. So where do you think he gets drafted then? As a top 20 pitcher. You think Hendricks goes off the board I think around Just because of. I think he does, yeah. Because you've got names. I think Patrick Corbin, Strasburg. Martinez go before him and Lester. And I think that that range where you take him is definitely, I think price probably price and Severino probably go before him and Arietta. Jeez. Yeah. So the only one of these people between 12 and 22 that I think goes um, behind him, he's in the Porcello and Tanaka. So range. I will give you, I will do, we'll do this. And we'll Quintana. do this as a bonus. We'll, I'll give you both the draft on this. And also the year end, because I will accept that draft statement, but I really think that these are closer to the numbers that he's going to end up with. Okay, so we're doing it. You want to do a two out of three. So ADP, he's, I'm saying that he's outside of the top 18 and yeah. a half. I think at the end of the year, his rank is going to be outside of the top 18 and a half. And what, what else can we do? Well, I mean, you think that the wins are the problem here. Um, so I predicted 17 plus minus 8. So big plus minus here. I'll give you half of that. Do you think that sure. do you think that he gets fewer than 13 wins? That's not fair because he has to get more than 13 wins. Do you think he gets fewer than 14 and a half? So he got 14 last year. I think 14 is where he, he ends up. I I'll give you 14 and a half. I think you can get to 15. You about ready to wrap this sucker up? I am. Uh, well, how do you want to predict the Super Bowl? Like, are you thinking points? Are you thinking just win? I mean, what are you thinking here? Because I think the Patriots win, but I think it's a shootout. Okay, yeah. I think that there are three vectors that I'm always interested in. There's <laughs> the who's going to win it, Yeah. which... I'll put I'll put the Rams down. Wow. To, okay. To, to combat you. Um, over under is it a is it a high scoring game or a low scoring game? Yeah. We're somewhere around what is a low scoring game? Something under thirty three points. Oh, that's a that'd be a low scoring. Thirty four. Oh, what, what's a low scoring game? Thirty six points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Twenty six to ten, something like that. And then it's. Um, is it a, is it an interesting game or not? Yeah, that's a that's a are good four one quarters too. interesting or are more than um, two quarters interesting? I think I think no more than one quarter. I interesting. think I think Patriots win high scoring game and only half the game is interesting. I think yeah. Oh, so I'll take I'll take the opposites on on you. <laughs> All right. I think that about brings us to the review session. Shaun of the Dead. Two thousand four was a weird year. Is what I've decided from this. <laughs> um, say more. You know what else came out in 2004? No, that's after Lord of the Rings. Napoleon Dynamite. True. Oh, I mean, we picked the right one. And a, oh, absolutely. But, a, you know, a 2004 classic double feature would be these two. And, man, that, that to me just says, like, okay, this is a weird year. It's basically, I mean, this to me was Napoleon Dynamite except done in Britain. And I think we both lean towards Britain anyway. Yeah. Versus yeah. the American West. Versus Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I think I, I sort of understand that. I, I think that your weird year is because it's kind of between, there's somewhere between like 2002 and like 2012, where we've talked about being this like, uh, <laughs> we talked about it in Sherlock, we talked about it in, um, in 300 it's sort of in between movie styles it's in between eras like this has i love that they have cell phones but they also have a landline yes (laughs) i think it's hysterically funny generation xer is in charge of the world it's a super super weird time uh i mean i love how it's put together i love the slow open You know, that, yeah. that you, you know, it's so clear what's going on, but nobody in the movie knows what's going on. And they, they made that happen. I mean, it's a master class in doing that level of information. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really is. That's, it's a really well put together movie in general. I think the, I think the characters are great too. And well, this is still of an era where you can have when a movie isn't trying to do more than it should. Right. <laughs> you know, and you can just have very simple characters, simple needs, simple desires, simply understood. And um, I don't, what has gotten, why have movies gotten away from this? Yeah, you're right. Why are movies this, so complicated? This would be way too simple of a movie. Like, it's even too for simple for, like, a TV show now. Like, everybody would need to have mm-hmm. way more backstory. Like, there's, you know, there's there's no motivation presented for any of these characters, really. <laughs> With the exception of Simon Pegg. Yeah, you have Sean's background. Yeah. And, and I guess that's the whole thing is, like, you you need to focus on one character and make the world about that character. And I think a lot of movies are now... It's first person, you know? This is really a first person... Um, movie but Shaun of the dead also i feel like responsible for the um zombie the plethora of zombie Uh, movies after it yeah it really messed up people our age in that regard (laughs) everybody wanted a a vampire or a zombie movie closing i you know there's no better way to send people out of a theater and or the end of a movie than with two queen tracks a lot of good queen music, you're it's, right. It's not possible. And you get an arbitrary kill the queen joke in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, kill the queen. That was pretty good. Uh, what are we doing this week? All right. This week, we're going to do Wizard People, Dear Readers, which some people know better as Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. But to really understand us, you have to watch Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone on silent with Wizard People, Dear Readers. So go out and do that. This is going to be a good one. All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Sea. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Sea. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.